You're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme on this uh, last Saturday of September. And as I was reading out the forecast there, <laughs> I could see the smile coming across for Warkin's face <laughs> with the temperatures uh, up nice and buoyant. Um, oh, I know, it, it kind of ex- exceptionally warm for this time of year, it sure but is. it's lovely. Oh, it's beautiful. I was coming up this morning now and I thought... You know, it's it's you walk you woke up this morning. There isn't a cloud in the sky, Harley. It's absolutely beautiful out there. Really, untypical, I suppose. Of September has just been so good. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I was I've been over I've been out on the road a good bit over during the week, and I noticed that um, you know the leaves are just starting to turn, yeah. but it's really slow turning. Yeah. As opposed to you know quite often it all happens within a week, and the yeah. next thing is there's a gust of wind and everything is gone. Mm. Whereas really we're getting to enjoy autumn we from are. a colour point of view with uh, the trees and the leaves. And if it stays, which it is promised, into next week, it's going to be very, very good. What's turning the leaves at the moment is the day length. So the day length is getting shorter, mm-hmm. but normally it's in September we'd be getting cooler temperatures. We wouldn't. Be, I think eighteen degrees. I think today is twenty. Is actually, twenty is it? Yeah. You know, I mean that's kind of June, July. I know it was thirteen degrees. Sort of I mean, I left my house this morning at, at a quarter to six, and it was thirteen degrees, degrees when I got already. into the car. Yeah. yeah. So, so typically in September you'd get the cold weather and the shorter day, and of course, as you say, and a bit of wind, and the leaves will be gone. But this year it's going to be absolutely beautiful, and the Virginia creepers and the liquid ambers and all of they're those. They're really the maples, out. Yeah. They're really showing their colours mm. and they will show that colour for a long time yet but look at it's great gardening weather I mean, it really is and it's you know I suppose I was thinking about the programme today mm. and I thought we should maybe just talk about some of the things that people can be doing over the next couple of days whilst the weather is still so good uh, there's lots of things to do and I suppose the theme over the last number of weeks has been very much that about putting the garden to bed, bed mm. tidying up and um, harvesting the crops that are there so for people with with potatoes in the garden you know I would be taking those out now because the soil conditions are just so good and they're not going to bulk up a huge amount more if they're left in the ground so I'd be taking those out now the soil is lovely and dry uh, tilling that soil over just forking it over lightly after you take the potatoes out and putting in some new veg so putting in your purple broccoli and your your, uh, lettuce and cabbage and all of those plants could can be still planted this time of year. Whereas if we get back into the very cold, wet weather, mm. the ground gets compacted, it gets cold, and you lose that opportunity. So the, sto- the soil is really moist at the moment and, and still very warm. Um, so it's ideal conditions for planting new plants, but also taking plants out of the garden and harvesting them now. Sowing seeds, believe it or not, you could still do it. The temperatures are still perfect, perfect. For, for sowing seed. So be it some vegetable seed for winter use, or spring use, or some of the annuals that I talked about before, like the English marigolds or candy tuft, any of those hardy annuals, you could still sow seed of those now, and they'll germinate over the next couple of weeks and be there ready to flower next spring and summer. Um, In terms of weed control, again, after last week's programme, I went home, Mm -hmm. had a look around the garden, (laughs) and decided I wanted to take a little bit of my own advice, (laughs) and got the sprayer out. And even though I don't particularly like using a lot of, of chemicals, it w- the weather conditions have been actually great for using the likes of Weed Free 360 or any of those, a little bit of Roundup at this time of year, just to knock back things like briars or nettles or scutch grass, dandelions, any of those perennial weeds. If you have an area of the garden that you just want to tidy up, clean it up, maybe you're intending to plant it over the autumn period, this sort of weather is absolutely perfect for getting on top of weeds now at at this time of year before we go into the depths of winter. Lawns are also 
they're really thriving, but mm. the weeds are thriving in lawns as well. The dandelions are still... Yes, very much so. You know, they're still very evident. There's plenty of clover. There's plenty of other broadleaf weeds, daisies. They're relishing this sort of weather. So again, if you applied a little bit of a lawn treatment, uh, something like the Hygieia dandelion and daisy control, that would eliminate a lot of the broadleaf weeds. So it's really using the weather, dear, at the moment to get that, get on top of those jobs that we typically might leave over till springtime. Um, and certainly when you've got two or three days strung together as we have, it's perfect for conditions for really just getting the garden tidied down and also then harvesting, like I mentioned, the potatoes, apples. If they're ready now, you'll know by just clasping them, give them a quick turn. Mm. If they're ready to pick, take them off now. It hasn't been too windy over the last number of weeks, so we're not seeing a lot of windfalls. Mm. So maybe go out and just check your apple trees and check the fruit in general and start taking that autumn raspberries, for example. I was eating some yesterday as as I was cutting the lawn. They're fruiting at the moment and they're lovely and they're just beginning to go over. So if you've got them in the garden, take them now and and, and make use of them because very quickly they'll start to go off. The other thing I would be doing is is planting up a bit of winter colour. So things like if you've got window boxes and containers um, the summer bending is beginning to go over a little bit now and it would be a good time rather than kind of waiting another two or three weeks Mm. maybe think about putting some autumn and winter colour in. So I'm thinking of things like cyclamen, um, the chrysanthemums that, that we, we featured before, the ornamental brassicas, um, anything with a bit of colour that's going to last through the winter period, the winter violas, winter pansies, they're all available in plants now. They're just beginning to flower and they'll give you, and they tolerate of course the cool conditions that we will get at some stage in, in October, November. So they can be planted in containers now and put in some spring bulbs with them. So put in your dwarf daffodils or dwarf tulips or some uh, bluebells or scented hyacinths which are beautiful in containers and do very well out of doors as well as indoors they can be planted up now in window boxes and tubs and containers so it's really that type of the other thing to, to um, keep an eye on I was looking at lavender plants that I have in mm. pots and they're bone dry at the moment right and even you know you forget about plants actually but I thought lavender didn't mind being too dry. It, do, it doesn't. The, the plants were actually still okay. okay but right. when I looked at the soil in the tubs, the soil dust. was absolutely dust, yeah. So they got a good drink last night. And plants like camellias in particular, plants that are forming their flower buds for next spring. So camellias, rhododendrons, azaleas, any of those spring flowering plants, if you've got them in tubs and containers or maybe in a very dry part of the garden, stick the hose on them, give them a good washing. You could give them a little bit of a liquid feed as well. Something like Liquid One or one of the rhododendron feeds would be a good thing to put on them now. But do keep an eye on it because it's, it's something we, we, we think they're okay. We think we've got a lot of rain possibly in the last number of mm. weeks, but we haven't. Mm. And the couple of showers that we did get have only tickled the soil surface and certainly tubs and containers. Uh, the plants are very dry. Or if you've got some window boxes or hanging baths, they're still looking okay. Just check them for watering. Because, we, you know, it's not something you kind of forget about the yeah. watering aspect after August, after the intense heat. But things are drying out very quickly. So plants in pots and containers, herbs, uh, camellias, shrubs in general, fruit trees you might have in tubs and containers. Just check on them and I would give them a good heavy watering and maybe a liquid feed as well. Um, so they're the sort of jobs I would be, I would be doing now. Herbaceous borders, lupins, delphiniums, plants that have gone yeah. out of flower now. Now is the time to trim them back and tidy them up for the winter. Take off all the old flower heads, all the old seed heads. Um, seed will be forming on many of them at the moment. You can collect those, put them into brown paper bags and sew them in the springtime. But it's, it's really a tidy up job uh, at this time of year with a lot of herbaceous borders. And it's a good idea then to plant some spring flowering bulbs in through those 
say if you've got a patch of lupins or a patch of delphiniums or a border that you yeah. want to add a bit of colour for the springtime again the soil conditions are ideal for putting in the all the spring bulbs the, the daffodils tulips snowdrops bluebells so and, get all ready yeah and, and, and it's so easy to work the soil now uh, so get those sort of plants in put them in, in groups of sevens or nines nice big clusters in between areas you want to fill up say through a shrub board or a bed so it, it, they're the type of jobs I would be doing and I, and I think I mentioned for the last number of we- mm. weeks the, the old moss of course is still even with the dry weather, weather it's, it's, still, it's just it's prevalent. popping back yeah. uh, again you can see it creeping back into your lawns you'll see it on your patios and driveways so do nip it in the bud now take control of it now and get rid of it before it continues to spread over the winter period so they're the sort of jobs so it's it's very much kind of a a sowing and planting at the moment Mm -hmm. uh, planting out of veg plants sowing some seed um, and then very much tidying up the garden so because weeds are naturally beginning to die back you you find putting on weed killers like the treatment I used last Saturday has already worked I was looking at the, the right. weeds last night so and they're, they're, all they're actually dead within a week. So it's working very quickly at this time of year. So if somebody is interested in putting in maybe a new lawn or they want to plant a new shrub bed or they're planning to put in a new hedge maybe in November when the bare root plants come in, now is the time to get rid of the grass and vegetation that's there. Don't be leaving it to November when we're back into wet, mm. miserable conditions. Use this sort of weather to get those treatments on. So um, it's kind of a, it's a little honeymoon period we've got okay. in September. And enjoy it when An we Indian have it. summer, isn't that what they call it? Yes an Indian summer so make use of it would be my advice right. because it can turn so quickly yes and, and, and it could mm. last for quite a long time so it, yeah. uh, it, seeing as we have the opportunity now the key thing really is to get out and get it done get it done and get those jobs uh, yeah tackle those jobs those those key jobs and it's very enjoyable so if you're lying in the bed, get up and get, get out and It get is a gorgeous it. morning, oh, folks, I have to say. Uh, you know, it's hard. It is difficult on the wet old ones when, you know, you have to do it. But this morning, uh, it is yeah. rather a pleasant day. So, so do get make up use and of it. Uh, even if it has been on the long finger for a while, maybe yeah, just say, right, now this is the weekend we're going to do it. Tidy, get that garden tidied up now. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We've got heaps and heaps of questions, all sorts of things coming uh, into us over the last hour or so. So we're going to address as many as possible right after these. We'll be here for the next two hours with the round of questions there. Right, we're going to start at the top and uh, work our way down. African marigolds to get us going on the questions park this morning. Uh, Why did my African marigolds grow four foot high? They wanted them low on compact. (laughs) Is that about cotton? You looked after them too well. You looked oh, after really? Well, African African marigolds, there are different types of African marigolds. Now, they're absolutely brilliant. They're summer flowering, starting to flower in June, mm-hmm. and normally flower well into September. But they produce the really big head of flower. And within the African marigold family, you can get varieties that grow four foot and some that will grow right down to six inches. Right, because uh, I, I have to, in my own experience of marigolds, they're a bedding plant and You're they have a big uh, yellowish head and yeah. that's about all I well, know about two, them. There's two right. types. There's two types. You've got the African, which mm. produces the really big head, mm, about probably three to four inches in diameter and can grow anything from six inches up to, as the listener says, three to four feet, depending on the variety of African marigold. Yeah. You also have French marigolds, which are shorter. They're the ones I'm A little I'm bit better of. behaved. So they're shorter, smaller, little pom-pom flowers on mm. them and they produce many flowers. So the listener needs to look for dwarf African marigolds next year. You can buy them from seed from Thompson & Morgan, sow them in January, February indoors and they're ready to plant out once the first frosts have gone from the 1st of May onwards. So there are dwarf African marigolds. So you still get the big pom-pom head, but you get a nice, short, compact plant. 
So look for those next year. Right. It's nothing the listener did wrong. The uh, the variety they, they purchased or sold from seed. Yeah, it's it's just one of the big yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. And they obviously looked after them well. They did. Yeah. They did. And, and maybe, you know, some of the French marigolds, you could try some of those as well next year. They're short, uh, you know, six inches, eight inches in height, loads of flowers, flowers but they are smaller. Okay. Um, uh, this listener also has some sweet peas uh, that they've started in trays and they're wondering Brilliant. where will they put them now? Well, let them grow on for another. It depends what height they are at the moment. The first thing to do is once the true leaves, the actual uh, sweet pea leaves so, uh, come on the, the stem, pinch them back. So when the, the shoot young shoots are about six to eight inches in height, take the very top shoot out. And that's very important in sweet peas because they flower on side, side shoots. So the more, more side shoots they produce, the more flowers you'll have next spring. And then once we get into about the end of October, mid to late October, so I'd leave them on the windowsill to grow on, pinch mm-hmm. them back, and then about the end of October, start to harden them off. So put them out into a greenhouse or a bright garage or somewhere bright but still protected. If you have a tunnel or maybe a very cold room in the house, somewhere bright and cool. Um, and keep them there until February, first week of February, and then they can be planted out of doors. Now, if the weather stayed very similar to this, if we had a very kind of mild autumn, you could actually start to harden them off around the middle of October out of doors and plant them out into the garden from about the first week of November onwards because they are frost tolerant. They'll right. tolerate the frost over the winter period. So even if you plant them out of doors, say around the first week of no- November, you could put a little bit of protection around them, um, you know, either um, bit of fleece a or bit of fleece or something like that in the very cold weather just to keep them protected. But they are winter hardy. The key thing to actually watch out for them is slugs. Oh, Because I, the old slug will nibble like, on them likes over the, the winter. Sweet pea. Yeah, they're they're sure a little does. bit sweet, those it, sweet peas, they aren't are. they? And they're not going to be growing over the winter to okay. period too much. So, you know, you don't want any damage on the plants. So a little bit of fleece over the winter would be a good idea. Right. But they are frost t- tolerant. Um, unless we get a dreadful winter, they'll be perfectly okay and they grow really well. And you'll have them in flower earlier than planting them in the springtime. And you'll have bigger blooms, believe it or not. The flowers will actually be bigger because you've sown them in the autumn. Mm-hmm. And it's still not too late to plant sweet pea. Okay. People still want to plant them, give them a go. Give them on a windowsill, they'll be up in two weeks. Excellent. Okay. That sounds like that lady is going to... Presume, yeah. Well, I'm presuming <clears> it's a lady. Sorry. That that person uh, is going to have some lovely sweet pea for 2014. Okay. A listener has dried onions uh, well, but they still lose a lot of them to rot. And they're wondering if they put yellow sulphur on them, Porik, uh, is it dangerous for human health? Well, I, I mentioned this, the yellow sulphur mm. last week uh, on dahlias, and it's normally used on flowering bulbs rather than on, on edible bulbs. Now... Onions contain a lot of sulphur anyway. I mean, that's why when you cut the onion, you start to cry, okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's a lot of sulphur in the bulbs generally. And the milder flavour, flavoured onions, like Red Baron, which is a red, uh, a red onion. onion, it's very mild. So there's less sulphur in that. And therefore, it tend, they tend to rot quicker or they don't store as long as the more... Uh, more sulfurous ones, more, I suppose. The, yeah, the, stronger, know, the, the stronger, the stronger, stronger onions. onions yeah. The really strong ones store very well. So when you're storing onions, the first thing you do, as soon as the you, you'll know when they've stopped growing, the neck or stem will start to turn over. That's the, the trigger to harvest them. This sort of weather, they should be left out of doors on a pathway somewhere on a concrete area to dry, or put them up on a bit of wire and let the sun at them and let the wind, the, the air at them, and get them as dry as possible. Any onions that are damaged, that are bruised or marked or damaged in any way, they should be used straight away because they won't store. So you'll lose anything that has been damaged 
bruising, any sort of marking on them, uh, use them in, mm. over the next couple of weeks. So only store, store very firm bulbs. Um, and ideally, you want to be storing varieties like Sturon or Stuttgart or Giant, which are renowned for their storing abilities. They're, there's a huge amount of sulfur in the juices and they tend to store very, very well over the winter period. So the key thing with onions is to dry them well. Um, and it, it often can take up to two weeks to dry them properly. So, you know, I would store them, uh, keep them out of doors when the weather's like this. But if we do get wet weather, get them in. into a garage, into a hay barn, somewhere there's plenty of air movement, but dry. And at le- allow at least two to three weeks of drying before you actually tie them up to store for the winter. And you'll always get the odd one that's going to rot. That's, mm. that's very common. You won't get the 100% onions to be... Um, perfect. Yeah, to be mm. perfect. So... The key tips really are to dry them well, use the mild flavoured onions first because they don't store as good as the the, uh, stronger flavoured varieties. And anything that's bruised or marked, store them uh, or use them. Don't store those for the winter because they'll rot the others. Don't use the green sulphur on them. I wouldn't use it. It's not that it's going to be harmful to them, but at the same time, you're eating the product yeah. and you're better No, off. so is the answer to the question. <laughs> Why didn't I say that Sorry. from the start? <laughs> Thank you, dear. No, no, no. <laughs> I didn't want to stop you mid-stream. Yeah, because no, no, uh, there's that, that's a fant- that's huge amount of advice there in the in the correct way to do it. Yeah, with, yeah but I suppose, yeah, the don't advice put, would be don't, don't put the green don't sulphur, put sulphur on them. On no, yeah. no. Use the, keep yourself for your, for your, your uh, dahlias and gladioli. Things you're not eating yourself. Exactly, exactly. Okay, great stuff. The Best of luck with harvesting those onions for the season. Um, plum trees, Porik, can you plu- prune plum trees? Uh, and if so, when is you the best can. time? You can. And remember that the, the trick with all uh, all fruit that contain a stone, so cherries, plums, peaches, nectarines, you prune them in the springtime. So anything in the cherry flammy, and that applies to anything that, any flowering, ornamental flowering cherries. We're often asked, when do we prune them back? The answer is... Uh, early spring. So just as they're coming into growth, about the end of March, the first week of April, do the pruning then. If you prune them over the winter period, they'll bleed. They'll lose uh, sap and disease can enter into the cut stems. So I'll leave the plum trees alone. A little bit of potash maybe at this time of year. Take all the fruit off them. Leave them alone until next March, about the end of March, first week of April, and prune them then. Your apple trees, your pear trees, uh, blackcurrants, gooseberries, all of those can be pruned over the next number of weeks, if you wish. But any stone fruits leave until springtime. Perfect. Uh, a listener set three trees in June, a cherry blossom and a golden rain tree. Lovely, yeah. Now, they were growing, but the leaves are gone all dead on them now, and they're wondering, will they start growing again? Yeah, they should be. I mean, June, remember back in June, it was very, very dry. Uh, I would say the trees got a little bit of a shock probably when they went in, or, or maybe just didn't get enough moisture um, when planting, after planting. Um, and that's the thing about planting trees in the middle of the summer. They do need that little bit of care, and June and July was extremely dry. Now, the fact that they dropped the leaves, that's fine. Don't don't worry about them. Trees, when they come under a little bit of stress, the natural defence is to drop the foliage. Uh, so the tree is protecting itself, itself from any additional water mm. loss. Check the trees, just check the stems, just rub your finger along the stem. If the, the you see green pigment in under the bark, literally with the, the, the nail of your thumb, just a light scrape on the leaf, on the stem, um, if the green, if you see nice green, healthy wood, the trees are perfectly okay. And and look at, I would expect those three trees to be absolutely perfect. They've just dropped their leaves yes. prematurely. Okay. Uh, make sure they're staked well. There's nothing really you have to do for the winter period. You don't feed them. You don't do anything with them. And next spring, give them a good tree and shrub fertilizer about the middle of March, and they'll be perfectly fine. They'll be perfectly fine. So Spot on. don't worry about don't worry about them. That's I suppose in terms of planting trees. I, I mentioned that I think before. 
that autumn is probably one of the best times, October, this time of year, September, October, because the soil is still very, very warm. It's still moist. The roots will actually grow over the winter period. So coming into the spring, those trees are ready to go because they've already doubled their root size Mm. and you don't have this problem with them drying out or, or coming under water stress. So if you're thinking about putting trees in, Autumn. It's not that June is a wrong time, but autumn is a, is a, is, a, is a better time from that point of view, and that the roots, the trees don't come under that stress of, of water loss, and they they root better over the winter period, and they're just ready to go then come the spring. Okay. So anyone thinking of putting in trees, now is Last a good time. time. Now we talked a lot about climbers and creepers last okay. week on the program, and a listener has a Virginia creeper, but problematic. The leaves on the Virginia creeper no longer turn red, they stay green. Is there any reason for this? It's about 30 years old. Yeah, it's unusual that they, they I mean, the, the thing is, it, they will colour. Now, the colour depends on the on the autumn and the winter that we have, because what changes the colour are the cooler temperatures and the shortening length of day. And, you know, some, some winters or some autumns, you just don't get that. Mm. You might get, you know, you're into the, the blustery, wet weather and the the climber doesn't have time um. to change and the leaves just go wither and, and fall off the tree. What you can do, what will help the the colour is some potash, some sulphur potash actually will help the Virginia to colour better for the autumn period. So put a handful of that on and uh, I think you'll find you, you'll find it turning over the next couple of weeks. Oh, so, so it'll happen for this year? Oh, for this year, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So put a handful of, of potash around the base of it and it should be, it should be okay. okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, now, a listener has a red robin tree and they're wondering when is the best time of the year to move it. The one that they have it has grown way too big in the spot that they have it and they'd like to transplant it into the garden where there'll have be lots of room and they're just wondering when would you do this? Depends on the age of the tree. Now, Fortini red robin, beautiful, beautiful plant, a lovely red colour for nearly nine months of the year. It's a really good garden mm-hmm. plant, but this is typical of it. It, it, it. If it's not pruned back on a regular basis, it can get too big and, and out grow its space. Um, evergreens in general, you can move them actually at this time of year. Now it's 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 there's I'd leave it another week, maybe another fortnight. So if you've got evergreens like Fortinia or rhododendrons or conifers that you want to move in the garden, autumn, early autumn is a good time to actually transplant them for the very reasons I was talking about the trees they'll actually initiate a lot of roots before the winter and settle in before the winter period Um, if your garden is exposed and windy I would leave the transplanting until springtime okay so depending on but if it's a reasonably sheltered area now Fortinia if the plant is seven or eight years old or older than that they don't like a lot of root disturbance so you've got to be very careful and dig out as much of the root ball as possible so the first thing I would do is prune the plant back so you're reducing a lot of the stems and leaves, which stops the loss of moisture. Mm. So shorten it back and shorten it back well. So if the plant is, say, eight feet high, prune it back to about six foot. Right. So a right good trimming back all the way around, tidy it back. That'll do two things. It'll reduce any water loss for the plant, but also it'll stimulate a lot of new growth next spring and you'll have a bushier, nicer shaped plant. Right. Um, and then dig but take as much of the root ball as possible. So take your time in, in excavating the root. And it has a very fibrous root, very, a huge amount of small roots, but try and take as much of the root ball as possible. Right. So come out nearly to the spread of, once you've a prune back, come out to the spread of the branches at that stage. And so you're lifting quite a big root ball. Um, you know, it could be anything up to maybe two and a half, three feet wide, feet, right. foot deep, that sort of a root ball, and transplant it all in the one day. But in the next, over the next two weeks, could certainly do it. Right. No problem. Okay.
Excellent. Good luck with that. Now, a listener has a question regarding the use of Mortone. Uh, is it safe to use Mortone on the lawn for the weeds and is it safe around shrubs? Well, it's well around shrubs it's not. I mean, Mortone is normally used as an agricultural feed, or weed killer to c- control things like rushes and, and broadleaf weeds in grassland areas. Mm-hmm. Now, if you use it on your lawn, it's not going to kill the grass, but it can scorch the grass. So it can cause a yellowing or browning effect to the grass. Now, the grass will recover from that, uh, but you will find that scorching. So if you, d- if, if you don't want the grass marked, then go for a proprietary uh, lawn weed killer, like the Hygieia one I mentioned, the dandelion and daisy, which will control all broadleaf weeds in lawns without scorching the grass. So Morton will typically, because it's a different grass species mm. that's used in lawns compared to meadow grass, it's just that little bit softer and you do get, after the use of Morton, you'll get a, a, a yellowing or browning of the grass. It doesn't kill the grass, the grass will replenish, cover, will yeah. come back from it, but you will, you will, you, you'll definitely see a, a scorching of the grass. It will definitely kill the daisies and dandelions in the lawn, but you will leave. So, my advice really is get yourself a small tub, it'll only cost you a couple of euro, mm. small tub of Hygieia dandelion and daisy lawn weed killer daylight today you'll get a fantastic control with it so apply it through a washing can or a sprayer put a little bit of washing up liquid in with the mix don't mow the grass for about three or four days after applying it you'll know that the weeds are dying because the the leaves will literally come upright they'll stick up out up into the air and that's and become twisted and that's a sign that the weed control is working um so if you do use the mortone prepare yourself for scorching of the grass uh, if you don't want that to happen, then use a proprietary okay. lawn. Okay. And, and the weather, you couldn't get better for applying it. Okay, so it comes with a <coughs> word of warning. It does. Uh, how do you take seeds and plant them from hawthorn trees? Well, you, the, the fruit, hawthorns are absolutely covered in, in fruit and in seed this year. So the seed is contained within the, the red fruit. Um, so it's a little early yet to harvest them, but ab- about the middle of October is the time to start taking the haws off the off the whitethorn. Um, and you need to stratify them. And what we mean by that is you crush the fruit. So you can get, a, uh, you know, put them into a bag or a container and actually just mush up the whole uh, fruit to expose the seed. Um, and then you simply, you can sow them out of doors in a ridge. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a piece of garden, nice, say, raised area with, with uh, either seed boxes or a raised soil area. Right. You just s- simply sow the seed into that, rake it in, and the probably 30% of that seed will germinate next spring. The other 70% will germinate the following spring. Right. So, white thorn has that, it, it tends to take it two years, really, to germinate properly, and then it'll grow on from then on. But you can also buy the plants. The white thorn are available from about the middle of November and are very cheap to buy. Right. You'll buy a nice two-year-old plant for, you know, 28, 30 cent type of thing. And they're, they're, are, they're slow growing enough, are they, the whole thorn? Well, they're, they're, they're slow to germinate yeah. and they're slow to kind of get to that initial size of 18 inches, two foot that yeah. you'd normally be planting them out. But once you get them at that size and plant them, then they'll put on about 18 inches to two feet of growth in, in the, in in the, the first number of years. Right. Yeah, you'd be surprised how quickly they come on and they make a terrific hedge a really good stock proof or, or pet proof hedge a really solid yes. hedge um, so so yeah the seed, the sowing of the seed is mid-November do prepare yourself for erratic germination because you tend to get some germination in the first spring and the, the remainder to, to germinate in the second spring but remember that you can buy the plants in November very very cheaply 
um, they're very cheap to buy. Okay, and that would give you uniformity, particularly if you are planting a hedge. If you're planting a hedge, yeah. you would, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. great. And one more, and then we're going to take a quick break. What's the best spray to get rid of briars? The Weed Free 360 is very good. And again, this sort of weather we have um, is ideal. So you want to apply it directly onto the briars. Make sure it doesn't get onto any other ornamental plants that you have. Um, it'll take about 10 days for the briars to die back. So Weed Free 360 is very good. A little bit, again, a little bit of washing up liquid helps to stick it onto the leaf of the briar and you get a better kill. Okay, lovely. We're back in a few moments. Okay, you're uh, very welcome back. Lots of different bits and pieces there. It's a good uh, mix, isn't there? There's a good mix this morning. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to backtrack here now. We were just uh, kind of jumping ahead to see uh, what people were inquiring about. Let's talk about apples for a second and right. apple trees, Porrick. A listener has two apple trees. One is an eater and the other is a cooking good. apple. <clears throat> Loads of apples on the eater. The cooking mm. tree has lots of flowers. It did set fruit, which then fell off. This has happened two years in a row. Any idea? What does that tell you? Oh, Ginny McFork. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that the cooking tree apples are very heavy, are they? No? No. Oh, right. Well, no, well, they, well, they can be. <laughs> they certainly can be. No, no. But in, uh, they've only two trees. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they need more. They need another one. I would guess that the, the, the cooking apple they have is Bramley. Right. And Bramley is a variety that uh, doesn't... It needs two partners, believe it or not. It's a triploid. Right. So it needs, it needs to be planted... If you're planting Bramley in a, in a mixture of apples, you need to put at least three varieties in together. So it needs two partners. Right. There you go. There you go. Now you see, and I say, this programme, it's a school day every day. We but won't you, go into the ifs, ands or buts, but there you go. There you go. And look, at if you're planting apple trees, uh, two really isn't sufficient anyway. If you're even, you know, just planting a small orchard, you want to be thinking five apples or maybe six apple trees. Try to get mm -hmm. different varieties because the more cross-pollination you get, the heavier fruit you get and particularly Bramley seedling it's a very poor pollinator uh, or it needs it, it won't pollinate itself and it needs two other varieties to pollinate it so James Grieve would be a good one to mix in um, Egmont Russet Katie um, Green Sleeves any of those are really good Grenadier is another really good cooking apple you could mix with the Bramley to pollinate it so nothing the listener did wrong and it will form the small little flower mm. the little fruit uh, embryos, the little baby fruit will come on, but the, because they haven't been pollinated, they won't set. So and that's they're why just they're dropping. falling off. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, when you're planting apples, trying try and put in a minimum of three and preferably five trees of different varieties if you can. If you can. If so you can, uh, so yeah. they all get the, the, the full opportunity. Yeah. Or the other way you can do it is to introduce a malus, which is the flowering crab, which is the ornamental apple tree so it's, it produces it's grown just it produces the flowers so it's in the same family as the apple tree for example bulmers where they grow the apples they use a lot of bramleys and they'll wheel in the malice uh, the ornamental malice trees in tubs during the flowering period so the bees can work from the ornamental apples to, to the to actual the, fruiting yeah. trees. So they want their acre full of Bramley seedling, mm. right? So they don't be planting other varieties in there. So they wheel in. How interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. They wheel them in, 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 in during the flowering period. The, the, the that are in tubs or something like tubs, that. Tubs, yeah, yeah. containers. And the birds or the bees will pollinate, cross-pollinate the apple trees. Um, so just introduce another variety. Good. This is a great time actually to plant fruit. So put in a James Grieve, a Katie, one of those and... Uh, if, you, if, it's if the Bramley's flowering well and it gets the pollen next year, it'll fruit for you. Excellent. Okay. And uh, you're right, the apples are heavy on, on Bramley's ceiling. 
Yeah, okay, my lack of knowledge showing Not myself, all, showing myself up yet again. Okay. Is it possible to take cuttings from outdoor geraniums? Yeah, well, um, normally they're, they're, uh, they don't produce side shoots. The way to propagate outdoor geraniums is by division. <clears throat> so the varieties like Johnston's Blue. So these are the what they mean by outdoor geraniums. They're they're not are your they're not they're not the ones in the pots exactly on the the, that you see on the windowsills. Mm. There there are varieties like Johnston's Blue or Sanguinium. There's many different varieties. Um, they're, they're great for ground cover. If you had a bank or a slope or a bed to cover, they're fantastic. They've got great colour. But the way to propagate them is either by seed or you can propagate them by division, by literally digging the plant up. And mm. you could actually, they're still in flower. There's still some of them blooming. So maybe give them another two or three weeks to finish flowering. Then lift the plant up with a sharp spade, divide it in two, or with a sharp knife, divide it in two or three pieces, separate them and replant them in other areas of the garden. So by seed, which which again you can sow at this time of year, or by division. And if you do it by division, they'll flash you flower next summer for you. Excellent. So they're the outdoor hardy geraniums. It's also a good time of year to take cuttings of the indoor ones. So if you do have Granny's favourite red geranium in flower, now now is a really good time. The trick with taking cuttings of the indoor geranium is to let them to dr- dry for a day. So take the cutting, strip off the leaves, throw it on a table and forget about it for a day, oh. and then put it into a pot tomorrow. Okay. So allow it to dry you. That's probably one of the few cuttings that you, you should yeah, do that with. Yeah, yeah, you do that with, yeah. yeah. Okay. And they root very readily at this time of year. Okay, because I tried to do a cutting the other day, Larry, did two weeks ago, of um, a fuchsia, I think it was. Oh, yeah. I think it's dried up. <laughs> <laughs> well, did, did you cover it with a polythene bag? Just, no. Yeah, do that, and that'll save you having to water it, you see. So, oh, maybe that's where I went wrong. Yeah, just take the cuttings about four or five inches yeah, long. Yeah, that's it. And I stripped it back and I had a little bit of rooting powder. Very in. good. Good, good soil. Yeah. Bit, so it's actually from um, compost, from the compost Perfect. bin. Perfect. Yeah. Couldn't be better. Um, but I, but have, then it has just... Oh, like well, then have, have the compost kind of reasonably moist. So if you squeeze the compost, you might get a drip of yeah. moisture, okay. but no more than no that. More. And then if you cover it with a polythene bag, put a, okay. a rubber band around the base, you don't have to water it. You don't have to do anything with it. Sit it on a windowsill. Go back a month later and I guarantee you it'll have rooted. Right, I'm going to have shot that again. So, yeah, yeah, we'll see how we get on. Okay. Um, Black worms, those black worm-like insects creeping on walls. They're the millipedes. And again, no harm. if you think about it in springtime, every spring we we get the questions about the millipedes because you get the nice spring weather, the, the walls are warming up and... Over the last number of weeks, what have we had? Kind of really warm temperatures. So the millipedes are just coming back out of the garden up onto the walls. Look, they do no harm. If you have to get rid of them, use something like the Protector C, which you can, particularly if they're coming into the house, you can put that Protector C on a floor or an area and, and they'll pick it up and kill them off. But they, they really do no harm in the, in the garden. Now, after last week's programme, a listener has decided to plant some climbing ivy. Okay. Should they dig out a trench of soil or dig individual holes for the plants? Um... Well, to be honest, you, you can do you you can do either or. Yeah, no, the trench is is a little bit more difficult, or it's a bit more work. Um, individual holes. If the soil is reasonably good at the base of the wall, then I would dig individual holes. Just dig them a little bit deeper. Um, so I think I was advocating last week that you dig a hole about two feet wide, about eighteen inches to two feet deep, and put in some good compost um, and and prepare the soil well for the for the ivy. So that that's quite adequate and space them about five to six feet apart is is plenty it seems a lot but they'll actually fill in at that so no I dig individual holes um, there's nothing wrong with doing the trench it's just extra digging and extra work more work yeah now it would allow you to put in if you dug the trench out to put a, a, a generous layer of organic matter right along the trench mm. and backfill the soil and plant into it so if the listener's prepared to do that then that 
that's really going the extra mile. <laughs> They're really okay. giving us the, the top top quality treatment. Um, so digging the trench is fine or larger in, individual holes well, is perfectly okay, okay as well. But a gr- And a great time to plant clivies. Can you stop parsley going to seed? Well, parsley is a biennial, which means it lasts for two years. So the plant, you know, it's not a long-lived um it's not a long-lived herb. Yeah. And the answer is yes, you can. You can cut it back if you cut off the old flower heads and they're p- appearing at the moment. Oh, yeah. So if you just go along and just trim them back, that'll help to stop it. But really look on parsley as a two-year. After two years, it gets a bit woody. It gets less um, productive. The vigour tends to go out of it. And so you're trying to roll back nature by, by stopping it flowering. So if it's young parsley, by all means, just take the old seed heads off. The old, it's, it's a spike it'll produce a spike above mm. the actual foliage um, and it's trying to produce seed and if you just trim that off that'll stop it but really pars- fresh parsley seed should be sown every two years um, and, and you replace the old plants or, or purchase a few plants and put them in and uh, re- replenish them yeah so if you get a couple of years out of parsley if you've done well and really it's, it's time to, to replant again now, a listener has a variegated <coughs> poplar and the leaves have turned brown since the summer. They're wondering how do they treat it? Mary in Castlebar, good morning. Well, at this time of year, I wouldn't do anything with it, Mary. The, it's, go- it's going, um, it's dropping its foliage at the moment. That's a little bit of disease that poplars get. Leave it alone. Next spring, give it a good feed of a tree and shrub feed in March and early April and put a little bit of um, copper fungicide, Bordeaux mixture, mm. and mix that up in water and apply that onto the foliage and that'll protect it from getting that, that scabby foliage. So there's nothing really at this time of year. It's going to drop its foliage now over the next number of, of weeks. So leave it alone for the winter. Good pruning back in the spring is advisable for variegated poplar and then give it a feed and put on the Bordeaux mixture around the middle of April or early May just when it's coming into full leaf and that'll help to protect it. Perfect. Um, would heathers be a good choice for a bank of soil that a listener has and they're wondering can they mix any other plants with them? Oh yeah, well heathers are great particularly the winter flowering heathers um, they will grow on any type of soil they're just coming into flower now and they'll flower from now through till April of next year so they're a great choice very hardy the fact that the winter heathers grow on any type of soil they'll be perfect for a bank and they give that nice carpet effect which is probably what the listener wants to keep down the weeds and just cover the bank area do put them in in groups of fives or sevens of the same variety mm. there's a lovely one called Kramer's Red which is a good vigorous variety and would do very well in a bank so look for that it's a real rich purple very dark foliage and it's quite a vigorous heather variety so that's one called Kramer's Red um, Merton Ruby is lovely red white perfection is white but put them in, in groups of fives or sevens of the same colour so you get the, the five plants growing in as one so over three or four years it'll, you'll end up with one big patch of purple or one big, big patch of red through that you could also mix some ground covering conifers would be nice so there's varieties like um, ground covering cedar or junipers that would work very well so a mixture of heathers and conifers look really well and give colour all year round really that kind of combination so a, a, a mixture of, of different varieties of heathers mixed with prostrate or ground covering conifers um, and there's lots of varieties go to your local gardens and they're available at this time of year and they work very well I think they look really well with um, heathers and conifers dwarf conifers mixed together and the other thing I would do is plant some bulbs so when you're putting in your heathers put in some snowdrops or dwarf daffodils and they'll pop up through the through the, through the heathers in, come the springtime so you'll have a really nice yeah. bit of colour. Yeah. Um, is it okay to use patio magic on slates with moss um, on them? It worked great on this listener's patio. Oh yeah, you know it, it can be used on any hard surface area. So be it slates, tiles, paving slabs. You know, 
anything like that the, the patio magic is is really good and it'll nip the moss and the bud straight away okay can you grow roses from seed you well you can grow the species roses the things like rosa rugosa the the single flowering roses they right. can be grown from seed so a lot of those the, those varieties are producing the hips you know the little red hips yes. you see the seed contained in those hips and um, so they can be the, the fruit can be harvested around the the red buds can be harvested about the middle of october and again like i mentioned with the white thorn you just press the actual fruit extract the seed and that seed can be sown in pots or containers or directly out into the garden soil and they'll form new plants by next season so they can be sown now do remember you'll you'll get the um you'll get the single flowering varieties from it and you'll get probably a multitude of colors Mm. from it uh you can also take cutting of, of roses. So if they've got, say, the flower carpet rose of the, of the, or they have trumpeter rose or creasii or one of those traditional roses, they won't come true from seed, but you can certainly take them from cuttings. So again, again, exactly like we talked about the fuchsia, take a short cutting, six inches long, strip off the leaves, take off all the thorns, take off the flowers, a little bit of rooting powder, put them into pots and containers this time of year. Use the polythene bag. Use the <laughs> bag. And they'll root, uh, certainly by next spring, they'll have rooted well. So the traditional variety root from cuttings and the single flowering those that produce the hips can be sown from seed. seed yeah absolutely uh, and speaking of roses mm-hmm. uh, a listener has white carpet roses they're looking a bit dead and the pink ones are not flowering they're in pots well I would take them out of the pots I mean they're they're, they're obviously they're like I said with the camellias they've, yeah. made, they've, they've, they've maybe have grown the pots so they've just got, become too dry <clears throat> my advice is to cut them back now by half take them out of the pots and put them into the garden somewhere because the flower carpet rose, it's a very, very easy variety to grow, but it's better out in the open garden soil because it is quite a hungry and and vigorous variety. So just cut it back, lift it now, transplant it out into the garden, uh, prepare the soil well, treat it with a good dressing of rose feed next spring and those plants will come back perfectly okay. And the pieces that you cut off, Mm -hmm. you can use as cuttings. There you go. There you go. Marie is wondering about rhubarb. Uh, Rhubarb was sowed this year, but they didn't use it. And they're wondering what to do now to mind it so they have rhubarb for next year. Okay, they did exactly the right thing. Don't harvest it in its first year. What you want to get yourself, Marie, is uh, your hands on some stable manure. Some farmer manure, mushroom compost, anything, any good organic horse manure, anything like that would be ideal. And put a good thick six or seven inch layer of manure on top of the rhubarb and leave it alone for the winter. That'll decompose over the winter period. The rhubarb will come right through it and uh, you'll get superb rhubarb next March, April. Uh, so a good thick layer of organic matter and you know don't harvest don't, don't take a lot of fruit of sticks off it next year but certainly take maybe you know 30 or 40 sticks would be perfectly okay mm. to take over the, the spring period next year so good dollop of organic matter if you can't get, get it from, from from the local farmer you can buy it in bags believe it or not okay but I'm sure now most yeah. of us are so, know somebody, somebody, know somebody yeah. who has a little bit of it somewhere put on a good thick layer okay uh, a listener has a nice strong boxwood hedge good. when is the time to take slips and tell them how well, now, now is the time to take them. And again, boxwood is that slow-growing hedge. Um, so take cuttings about four or five inches long. Again, take off the leaves, a little bit of rooting powder. You can put them, they're quite thin and small. So you'll fit 20 or 30 cuttings into a small flower pot. Use a good gritty compost, so a little bit of traditional compost with sand or perlite mixed through it. Make sure you use the rooting powder. Cover it with a polythene bag and they'll root in six weeks, eight weeks. 
Excellent. And also on the hedge front, a listener would like to grow a hedge five foot in the front garden. They were told that laurel wasn't suitable. Uh, that like your opinion, please, or what else might they be able well, to you, use? You could use laurel, but the thing is, and you probably know from your own hedge. If it's a bit wet. Yeah, that's true. It might be not a good spot. That's true. <laughs> You've learned from experience. I'm so yeah. experienced in hedges now yeah, yeah. between Escalonia and Laurel, and that's about all that's in the garden. But anyway, well, you're, you're right. If it, if it, if if there is if it's excessively wet and yeah. it gets waterlogged, Laurel won't grow in that area. But the common Laurel is vigorous. It does, you know, it does need a lot of trimming, and to keep it to five foot. You know, I would pick a hedge maybe that would be a little bit less vigorous. So something like Portuguese laurel would be better or green privet, golden privet actually would be even better. Um, so something that's less vigorous, Berberus darwinii, I think I mentioned that before mm, yes, with the lovely orange yeah. flowers. So pick a less vigorous hedge if you want, you know, even the holly, the golden king holly. So green laurel is, you can keep it at five feet, but it's going to need pruning probably twice twice yeah, a year yeah. Um, and really I would put green laurel in for where you want to hedge maybe six foot and above well you're looking for I suppose good for privacy and cover privacy, like that. Co- yeah mm. something kick something vigorous um, yeah. laurel is fantastic but for a five foot hedge or lower then consider Portuguese laurel which is less vigorous and equally as nice um, Berbice Darwinia is very good Golden privet would work really well. Um, Iliagnus abengii, particularly in your seaside area, that's got silver leaves and, and works very well. So they're less vigorous and won't require the same amount of trimming and will still give you an evergreen, dense, full hedge. Okay. Um, we, we talked about heathers there. Somebody was wondering, do heathers need much water? Well, they'll need, over the winter period, they shouldn't require it. But if you've got heather, say, in pots and containers, again, with this very dry weather, mm. they're like any other plant. Yes, they are. They're going to need um, watering. But if you plan to bank, I think the question was a bank, um, then we certainly over the next week or two, you could give them a good soaking after planting. But over the winter period, no, they won't require any additional watering. And by next spring and early summer, they'll have rooted sufficiently okay, not it. to really require any additional watering, unless we get a very, very warm Summer, Summer. Yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, I know we talk a little bit about Osmo uh, on the programme <coughs> regarding yeah. moss yeah. on the lawn and it, it's proven to be very, very effective. But um, somebody, I think, might have been a little heavy-handed with the application. Uh, the lawn has burnt with the Osmo. Is there anything they can do? Well, what they can do is the lawn will actually come back. You've, you're dead you're right. They've, they've just used it excessively. And with any fertiliser, if you apply it, yeah. and all fertilisers are caustic. So if you put them on too heavy, you're going to get a burning of the grass. Look at it's. I presume the moss is dead. <laughs> if, the, if, the, if, the, if the grass has been scorched, certainly the moss, moss has been well riddled. It's but, all gone. But the grass will come back. Yeah. So leave it alone. Just, you know, um, leave leave the lawn alone. It'll actually come back. It'll reshoot again and come back. So it's just, it's applied too heavily. So Right. And it should come back without, uh, come back without any moss. It'll come back fine. If, yeah. you, if you end up next next spring or even over the winter with a gnawed bare patch, then just reseed that. Even in the winter period, the seed will germinate. Um, um, but it, you know, any any fertilizer you put on will can be caustic. So follow the instructions carefully. Carefully, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boring, that's all we have time for. Okay. Uh, lots of opportunity, I think, for people to get out and well, uh, enjoy the, the fine weather that we're having over the weekend, and hopefully get lots of work done. Yeah, it's great planting weather. It's great, you know, just get that. Even get out the garden hoe and hoe out those weeds and just tidy up the garden and get it into good condition. Okay, we're going to uh, follow all of that advice. Are you? Well, some of it anyway. (laughs) And uh, we're back again, of course, next Saturday after the news at nine. That's it from uh, me as well for this morning. Stand by Michael Neary is up after the news at ten. And uh, he'll be taking you right through to lunchtime here on Midwest Radio. Until next Saturday from me, Deirdre Kelly, a very good morning to you.